Salutations, and welcome to the Harlots of History podcast, where we scorch the history books and take back the word harlot one episode at a time. This is a show for the curious listener, the raunchy feminist, the sex-positive comic, co-hosted by us, your resident amateur historians who love a side of sexy with their history. Listen as we chat and lecture each other on infamous mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, vamps, sirens, scam artists, and of course, harlots. And we try not to get too sidetracked with rants about putrid patriarchy. I'm Kara Mia, a mom of three. And I'm Emily, a fur mom of three. So go grab your pork rinds or your kale chips. A glass of wine or a big old mug of tea. We're not judging. We will keep you entertained while you wash your dishes, wash your feet, or wash that man right out of your hair. This show also contains alcohol, some very colorful language, and eyebrow raise, sexual content, and is not appropriate for those under 18. Sorry, not sorry to our children and pets. Hello, welcome to. <laughs> I think it sounds okay. I have no idea. Hello, welcome to Harlots of History. That's Emily. That's Caribbean, and we are recording on a new platform. thing tonight. Yeah, platform. <laughs> Emily's had quite a few. Thank uh, God, I'm the one presenting. <laughs> I have not had quite a few. I've had one. I I want to do a shout out to Maddie and Diana, who are the reason that I've had a quite a few because. They live in Seattle, but we FaceTimed, and I was running out of wine, so I made a wine-slash-truly spritzer, and it turns out that's not a great idea, guys. Um, it's like double the alcohol. <laughs> I, I know. My, and also, we idea. just want to say thank you to Tiana. She designed us some merch, and we are totally going to use some of her designs like to consider for our new logo, because she's so amazing. Her, you guys, our, our new merch is, like... It's so freaking cool. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be coming out, like, pretty soon. And just in case you're interested in seeing how cool she is, her Instagram is tdix, T-D-I-X with an underscore on Instagram. Yeah, she's she's amazing. And Emily had one more piece of housekeeping or business, and, and then we'll just jump right into it. Okay, so if you have not heard of the old pro podcast it's really awesome you guys should go check it out and they are a podcast about sex work they're really really cool we love them a lot and <laughs> I, use them. Actually... I use them yeah. yeah help with my research yeah yeah they're amazing okay so they have an upcoming art contest and so it's a national call for any art so anywhere anyone from anywhere in the u.s but they do prefer artists from san francisco because the goal of the project is to get money into the hands of sex workers. So if you go to their Instagram, the old pro pod, or sorry. Yeah. If you go to their Instagram, the old pro pod, you will find more stuff, or you can go to the oldest profession podcast.com and they will have info on that. They are accepting submissions until December 15th. So go check them out. It is a really awesome organization. That supports sex workers, and we are all about that. So All about yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. go check them out. Um, Old Pro Pod is their handle, and then they will have all the information on there. 
<laughs> Sorry, it's it's late. We've been we've been having fun. Um, so let's just get right into it. So this is our first episode of our December edition, Harlots of History edition. Nadiots. We haven't like come up with a jingle for that. Nadiots. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there should be like a sex groan at the end of that. Like Nadiots. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm too embarrassed. Like Nadiots, tank tops over long sleeve shirts, jeans. I don't know. <laughs> With platform flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> too many pencils in your hair. Juicy couture, sweatsuit. Everywhere. And lots of nair. I don't know. <laughs> yes, lots of nair. Oh my God. Yeah, there you go. All right, we'll come up. We'll, we'll do it better, guys. We failed we'll promise. You, but. Yeah, but we're super excited. And I have the pleasure of starting this month off positively because the rest of the ladies that we're doing, either they're not the best role models that we would I, want from anyone, or they have complicated I pasts. I heartily disagree. I'm not talking about your first one. I said, or they have complicated pasts. Okay, the one, the one I'm doing is like timeless and i love her but she's complicated she As is not okay. she's, it's not avril lavigne <laughs> <laughs> oh avril um, i love you because she doesn't really quite fall oh uh, yeah she didn't have like we're, we we are talking about like icons. hard hitters icons i'm not saying that she wasn't an icon in her own right but she didn't really have that early 90s 2000s crossover that we were really looking for also skater boys okay I mean, they, you all did us wrong skater yeah, boys you really all did, did us wrong, wrong. and i blame abro all this wrong if you if you haven't had a crush on a skater boy like who even are you seriously like that was like no matter believe me Those you can go you, the well, long the long curly hair the, oh i'm like thinking of one guy in particular <sighs> trust us you can go through it in high school or like middle school like you're supposed to, or you will go through it in your twenties, like I did, because I like did not let myself. <laughs> and then you will have a daughter. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> so, uh, let's get into it. So hey Emily. Hey. <laughs> who was America's first black female music mogul, respected queen of the male dominated hip hop world? With her own record label and a reputation as the sharpest businesswoman in music. Wait, as we well as every episode like this now. Just mine. As well okay. as the one richest one of the richest women in rap. And who was uh one of the like leading ladies in love fair. <gasps> she was. She was. I loved learning about that. But Emily, who is it? It's Missy Elliott. <laughs> I was like, am I supposed to answer this? I don't know. Or just like, I I wrote that intro like literally right before it. So I was like, crap, I don't have an intro. Okay. But that introduction, I didn't write it. Because the introduction was from Scary Me, which was an article by Lindsay Baker for Marie Claire. That was literally the name. Scary? Question mark. Me? Question mark. <laughs> you remember Marie Claire? Yeah, I do. Ugh. I was like... The article that you read when you were like, you thought you were so cool when you got that and you were like getting a pedicure with your mom before prom. 
or something when you were going to go with all of your friends and you didn't have a date and then you just went to, uh, where did I go? I don't know, some burger place. (laughs) That wasn't me. I definitely had a date to prom. Well, at least Emily got to go to prom. This is no weep story, but, like, I came from a very conservative family that did not let me go to prom. Oh, yeah, because they hated dancing. Yeah, I come from the Footloose family. She does come from the Footloose family. Okay. (laughs) Okay, but, and let's back to Missy Elliott. Okay. She is consistently rated in the top five female rappers of all time, but she's number one in my heart. (laughs) I love her. Also, number one in Zelda's heart. Well, we're going to tell that when it's chronological. Okay, fine. Okay, so I was so excited to do Missy Elliott because I've always loved her. Even when I was young, Missy seemed different to me. And I'm sure like it's because she is different than any other female singers out there. Not just like female rap artists or hip hop artists or R&B, like all female artists out there. She was respected in a mostly male dominated industry. And she was beautiful, but she did her own style without showing more than she was comfortable with. And she, like, really made you want to dance, like, with your whole body, not just, like, attempting to twerk it out like we're used to. She, like, wanted you to, like, I don't know. You can feel her music from, like, your toes to your nose. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I really like her. She's just, she's so cool. She's so cool. Like, right, right. And she's like the Cheshire cat. Enticing you to smoke a little, dance a little, relax, forget your troubles, go on a weird adventure down the rabbit hole, said Ashley C. Ford for Marie Claire. She had, like, Missy Elliott really liked to interview with Marie Claire, and besides The Guardian, her best interviews are Marie Claire, so this will be the first time I'm quoting Marie Claire. (laughs) I mean, it was, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, Marie Claire was the go-to. Totally. So um, I'm just going to let you know that I am issuing an abuse trigger warning, physical and sexual, before we get into this part. So, you know, go ahead and s- skip ahead if you need to. Um, it won't really affect the end of the story, but it is a it is a largely positive story, and I don't say any details. Okay. Um, so I think we should start where most stories start at the beginning. Melissa Arnett. Elliot was born in 1971 in Portsmouth, Virginia. Her dad was in the Marines, and her mother worked for the local power plant. Wait, her fam- Portsmouth, Virginia. I'm pretty sure I was there right before quarantine hit. Yeah, for the, inter- for the wedding. For yeah. the wedding. You were right. I don't know. Was I? Yeah, that's not right. Know. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. I had some really good chicken wings there. <laughs> it had to be Portsmouth. <laughs> well, and, and uh, trash cans. Remember trash cans? Did you ever have those? No, it's oh my oh my god! You you escaped your twenties. Well, you're you're still in your twenties, but you escaped your twenties without having trash cans. It's like a pint glass with like forty seven types of alcohol, and then they just like throw a Red Bull upside down and in, inside isn't it. That isn't that like an ATF or or no, AF or audio mother AMF. Isn't that that? Those don't have the Red Bulls in them. The trash cans, no, they they have like three or four, but they just like, it's like a couple different like fruity types and then they throw the Red Bull and then like you drink it and then as you pull the Red Bull up, the like liquid comes out and so it gets fuller. So it becomes more Red Bull. (laughs) I love Red Bull. It's such like a horrible thing to love, but like, dude, I can, ugh, I love Red Bull. I haven't had it so long. I do too. Yeah, the last bar, like, one of the last bars I worked at, like, we used to drink Red Bull vodka shots all the uh, time. 
all and you know me that was like my go-to dance drink They're, i wanted red i wanted a red bull vodka all the time <laughs> they were so good okay all right missy Ellis. okay yes back to missy um, back to missy so her family was really active in church particularly in the choir and she's still today a very vocal baptist and thank to emily for giving me a new name to call god and usually brings up sky daddy in every interview she does. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. That is my new favorite favorite term. <laughs> and uh, she was the only child. And her family was always tight on money. But Missy was a class clown, popular with many friends. She loved school, but not so much the schoolwork. And her family moved to Jacksonville, where Missy was happy because there was a lot of stability there. And during some required IQ testing, she scored so high that the school staff made her take it again while they watched her. What assholes, though? Like, they didn't believe, but they were just like... But I guess it was that. Yeah, like, Missy was not big on schoolwork, but she was not dumb. She was actually, like, a little genius. Also, like, most people who aren't big on schoolwork are, like, actually... Are geniuses, because school bores them. Well, yeah, because our... our, uh, That's a whole other story, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, and they moved her up two grades because of this, and, of course, it isolated her. And she began to check out of school, you know, like, purposely try to fail her classes just so that they would return her to the grade where everyone was her age and everyone was her friend. But then her father left the Marines, and they had to return to Virginia, where they lived in a rat-infested shack. And Missy and like these these are words out of their mouth. Missy and her mother Patricia, which everyone call everyone even in the music industry calls her Miss Patty, they talked about how they had no running water. They had bread and butter for breakfast and bread and butter for dinner. And the rats were so bad that Missy's father would wrap her and her mother up in military blankets and stay up at night hitting them off hitting the rats off of them. I know it's it's pretty horrendous and then of course it gets worse during this time her father became increasingly abusive he focused most of the abuse on her mother but of course Missy experienced the tense household and the emotional trauma her mother said that she could not leave because like where would they go you know what I mean like who would help support them you know obviously it's also super hard to leave your abuser we know that Mm -hmm. there is the cycle of abuse, break the cycle means a lot more than just like, hey, get out of the house. Like you, you have a lot of like, there's a lot of emotional and mental work that goes along with it. And it's not easy. I'm speaking as someone who had to escape from a, a formal abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And it got, the abuse got so bad that he even broke her mother's collarbone one time. And Missy was an only child, like I said. And so she had to create, she said that she created her own Alice in Wonderland like you know, theme it. Like, she just created, like, an Alice in Wonderland in her room. And she had mm-hmm. imaginary friends. She would line her dolls up and perform for him, for them. And she said this was, like, her refuge from her abusive father and the severe poverty she was growing up in. And in elementary school, when the teacher asked everyone what they wanted to be, Missy said she wanted to be a star, and everyone laughed at her. But this did not stop her because she knew she wanted to create music from the age of five. And, like, she credits, like, a lot of her later success with this. She said she just had this naturally curious mind. She would, like, mimic the sounds from cartoons. And she would, like, hardcore study Michael Jackson's music videos. Another Video Vanguard award winner. I mean, the, it was named after him. And create her own look. And she would write song lyrics on the walls. 
And this is so sad, but she said she would record herself singing and she would send the tapes to Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson, hoping they would come save her, but they never replied. Oh. Also, as if her home situation was not bad enough, when she was eight, she began getting sexually abused by her cousin who was in his teens. And he would have her come to his house and that's when it would happen. I believe it happened more than once. I believe it happened quite a lot more than once. And also Missy never told anyone until she actually had her career going. She probably Um, didn't have like a lot of people to tell. No. And also like, you know, as someone also who has been, Mm -hmm. you know, sexually abused, it's just, you feel like it's your fault. Yep. Especially when you're young. Yep. Mm -hmm. And In her teens, the abuse from her father to her mother got so bad that she would come home and immediately lock herself in her room all night. And one night, her dad pulled out a gun, threatening to kill them. Mm. The stories vary here. Either Missy went to get help or her father came temporarily to his senses. But soon after, Missy's mother's family persuaded her to leave. Persuaded, like, her and Missy to leave. Okay. Um, One day, Missy packed up her stuff. And she was sent to school so that when her father drove by, like, when he, like, left to do whatever for the day, she was, like, at her bus stop. And then the family helped pack them up, picked up Missy from school, and moved them across town. They only left her father with a blanket, a fork, and a spoon. He deserved that. And they still lived in town, the same town that their abuser lived in. Like, Missy didn't change school. Okay, so school. they just moved, like, across? Yeah, like, same town, but, like, across town. In Virginia Beach and like, or in Portsmouth, sorry. It, um, and it's not that big of a place. Like it's, and it's just, it's just Missy said that they they lived in fear for so long, but he never tried to contact them. He never tried to find them. And honestly, it's just like that fear, knowing that like he could, was almost seems like it would, oh god, that's right. And so that 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 that's her start. And like it's just. I mean, God, it's just, it's a bummer way to start an episode, but thank goodness we're going to end on a high note. And uh, in a recent interview, Missy said that she talked, she talked to her father occasionally in her adulthood. And I know, I personally know that he died a couple of years ago. And she said, like, when we left, my mother realized how strong she was on her own. And it made me strong. It took her leaving to realize. And that's a quote from the 2003 Marie Claire article, which I think is just so amazing, I think. Yeah. And isn't that so, like, warm? I, yeah, it's just so warm-hearted. Like, something so positive came from that. That is really positive. Mm-hmm. And from day one. She knew where she was going. I told my mother, I'm going to buy you a house and I'm going to buy you an elevator in case your legs start hurting. And her mother would laugh and be like, all right, okay. And foreshadowing, Missy Elliott did buy her mother a house with her first big check. Did she buy her an elevator? Like, (laughs) okay, we'll get into this a little later. But like, Missy was on Cribs twice. And in her early episode of Cribs, which I think is like 1999, 2000, um, Missy's mother lives with her. Oh, yes. And they call her Miss Patty, and she handles Missy's money, and it's so cute. And, like, Missy and her mother are the ones saying goodbye at the end of the Cribs episode. It's so cute. That is really cute. Right? Oh. In, in high school, she put together, she personally put together a girl group called uh, Fazy. 
And they became, like, really well-known locally around, like, you know, Portsmouth, Virginia Beach. And Missy was the core. And during this time, Missy met Timothy Mosley, who we all known as Timberland. And all the angels sang because he became her group's producer. And while I was watching Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix, which is an amazing show. Everyone should check it out. It's so cool. It's so cool. Um, Sounds really good. In the episode of Super Producers, it goes into Timbaland's and Missy's relationship. And Timbaland was like, I am music. She is music. We are each other's soulmates and musical soulmates. And it was so cute. Aww. Just to like see, like, because they both came from the same place. Because he, uh, he said that Missy was the first one to really tell him to fight and believe himself. She was the first to tell him that she thought he was really dope. And the rapper Magoo, who was interviewed for this, said, Timbaland and Missy were like Batman and Robin. Tim would be producing and Missy would be writing. And Missy said they were trying to put Virginia on the map and take the music somewhere different, make it futuristic. When I was learning about this, I was like, okay, Virginia Beach. How do these two great people, like, come out of Virginia Beach from the get-go? Like, they're, 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 they got their careers going. Like, how did they, they weren't professionally trained. Like, what were their influences? And I was like, she, like, because they both seemed to have, like, the talent, ability, timing, background, and, like, these, like, connections that they had made. And I had never really, like, heard of Virginia Beach. But it was all about location. Wait, so, didn't, didn't your sister live in Virginia Beach? Kinza did for a little bit. But no, I was saying, like, musically, I had never oh, really okay. heard of Virginia Beach. Uh-huh. So this is just a quick little bit of music history. So Teddy Riley is considered, like, the first iconic producer MC. And, Emily, you might know him as the guy who's saying rump shaker. <laughs> Do you know that I don't know anything about anything ever? So, no, I okay, don't. So, okay, but if you heard the rump shaker song, Emily, you would really know what it was. Okay. So he shut up shop there and started holding high school talent shows to find, like, the next new different thing. And he discovered the Neptunes in high school. The Neptunes, a.k.a. Pharrell. Oh, yeah. Partner. Okay. Yep. And he signed them and gave them their start. Pharrell was like a big brother to many young rappers, singers, musicians, and producers out in Virginia Beach. And he was a chum to Timbaland. And while Missy was in phase E, she came to hear a beat from Timbaland, and they never stopped working since. So it was location. That's cool. Which I just like, really like Virginia Beach. I mean, that was the, like, I mean, okay, it was the last trip that I ever took before everything locked down. But, you know, it was a really good trip. <laughs> You don't think of Virginia Beach as being like this huge music location. You're like, it's New York, it's Detroit, it's like the East West Coast, it's I, you know Miami. I, I, I so I, I mean, like, I mean, I personally I, never been, so I didn't. I I don't know. It's weird. I can see it. Yeah, I can yeah. See they, it but then they, of course, they explained it. But like, you know, they were like, like, there's so many people that came for, from Virginia Beach, like, especially in like the hip hop R and B rap community. That's crazy. So she graduated from high school in 1990. Her, like, extended family really wanted her to join the Army. And she was like, no, I'm too fat for the Army, and where would I run? <laughs> but uh, her group, AZ, was obsessed with the all-male group, Jodeci. And Missy came up with the idea, like, to get them, like, you know, some traction. She's like, we are going to go backstage while we're dressed as them. And we're going to sing one of their songs for them, a cappella. I was like, dude, you're gonna fail. <laughs> oh my God. But no, it worked. It worked exactly as right. And like they didn't have backstage passes. 
they talk their way backstage. And the lead singer and producer of Jodeci, his name was Devante Swing, recruited Faze, Timothy Mosley, who he renamed Timbaland, and the rapper Magoo all at the same time. And you'll also see like Timbaland, Magoo, Playa, like all of these are like in the Super Friends group that like Missy and all of them really made it. They made this like super cute friends community that I'm, oh, it's so cute. And so her group, Faze, signed a sister, sister, sorry, with the Swing Mob label, and they all moved to New York. And remember, this was like right out of high school. That's so fun. Also, it sounds like Glee, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but like not as like whitewashed. Right. Yeah. And they all moved into a two-story house in the city where 20 plus members of the Swing Mob lived. And this includes Genuine... Playa and tweet. Oh my god. Yeah, ponies. Can you just ponies? Imagine like you're like trying to go to sleep and then all of a sudden like pony like genuine's like creating pony in the uh, next room. Uh, Timbaland. <gasps> Timbaland was creating genuine pony with genuine in the next what? room. Yes. Isn't that cool? I just like I'm like dancing to it. And uh, I was like, people were getting creaky in that house. That's oh my god, sure. this so much fun. And while a member of the Swing Mob, Missy wrote and rapped on Raven Simone from That's So Raven, her debut single when she was like a little girl in 1993. This is what little girls are made of. Okay, Wait. so the song that there, that was, she had a rap album when she was Miss like really little. No. Raven did? Raven Simone did. I love her, by the way. So her the album cover is like so cute. Oh my gosh, I can't even she, get over it. But she was on... Uh, sorry. She was on oh, the Cosby show. I didn't, I never watched the Cosby show, so. No, it was, yeah. But she was, she was like the granddaughter. She was like his granddaughter, and that's where she got her start. I'm sorry. Okay, see, like, okay. Yeah, so it's like, I didn't know that. Like, I was Raven like Simone obsessed was. with that So Raven. Me too. I love that So Raven. Really? I loved her, oh, like, I loved her, topic. like, her, what do they call it? Like, her vision. Pre, her pre deja vu. Her day, yeah, her vision. Yeah, I love yeah, that part. Like, yeah, I wish you did this. Right? And, like, they, like, circled into her eye. (laughs) Yeah, her clothes were so cool. Oh, so good. And her hair was so good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I love her so much. Yeah. So, Missy, though, is clearly the best part. Like, the song, it was cute, but, like, it wasn't, like, okay, so so another podcast brought this up. It wasn't, like, Willow Smith's, like, where you wanted to listen to it again and again. It was, like, kind of squeaky, and it was very clearly a little kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But Missy was uncredited in her, you know, for her, you know, uh, collaboration or whatever, her feature. And she was side-blinded when the video came out because they didn't inform her about this. And they used another woman Uh, while playing Missy's voice. Was it like? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like friends. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So dubbing over with Missy's voice because Missy did not have the look. She wasn't like skin enough. She wasn't skinny enough. She wasn't this and that. And Missy was repeatedly rejected for a solo career around this time because of her body size. And the hip-hop world of the mid-90s was really body-centric. And I heard, I was like, it was so funny. They were like, um, yeah, if you weren't, like, just scarcely covered with marabou feathers, you didn't cut it. <laughs> I was like, marabou yeah, that, I feel like a lot, like, pretty much it's just, like, a direct, like, little jab at Lil' Kim, who I actually really like, especially at this time. Uh, she was always seemed to be appearing in... Like, you know, something with, like, just barely covering marabou feathers or something. Bikini. A lot of bikinis. Yeah, but it's also, like, um, 
I don't, sorry if this is, like, cutting into, like, what you're going to talk about later, but, like, when I did my episode on Lilith, it was, like, Lilith Fair that was, like, there was, like, one female artist from, like, each genre, and if you weren't that artist, then they were, like, no, basically. They weren't going to cover you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh, you weren't, you're not Shania Twain? Like, no, sorry. Like, oh, you guys want to perform with another woman? Like, no, I'm sorry, you guys are lesbians. Like, that was, like, what they said. She looks like, and actually, like, really cute. Yes, we will get into that. Such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah, really. Like, that's, and that's what Missy's, like, all about is, like, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's, like, there was room for, like, one woman artist in each genre, and that was it. It was, like, the doors are closed. And Missy was, like, the more the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. yeah more, Missy was, like, fuck you guys. <laughs> right. And so Missy worked hard on Jodeci albums. Her sister albums and her group actually made two albums, but they were never released after the first single flopped. And at this time, she met Mary J. Blige in the studio. And Mary J. Blige became like a mentor, a lifelong friend, and a big sister, like a big sister during this time and for the rest of Missy's life. And she told Missy to ignore the body shaming and to believe in herself. And she saw her talent. And like I was saying, it is here I want to bring up that Missy Elliott never had another job or profession in her adult life. She had no plan B. There was no money from her family. There was no connections from her family. She was it like, was this, all this is her it. Drive. Yeah. yeah. And her talent. Like, wow. I, like, envy that. That's, like, the thing I envy the most about her. That's, like, badass. Yeah. She's, like, she didn't have a fallback plan. She was, like, she's not, like, oh, yeah, if I don't. If I don't succeed at this, like, I can go move into my parents' house. She's like, I have to do this or I, like, don't eat. Yeah. Right, right. But, unfortunately, things in New York became abusive. Devante wanted to know where every... Remember, he was the lead singer of Jodeci and the producer, kind of like the head guy of the Sweet Bob label. And he wanted to know where everyone was, always was trying to keep tabs on everyone, and things became tense. And I think, I mean, honestly, like... Do we know who Jodeci is? Like, I had never heard of them before this episode. Granted, I was not, like, I was really young when all this was happening. Like, I was, like, five. But, like, I familiar. Right? But, But, like, do you know what hit by Jodeci? Because I don't. No. Right? Did he have a hit? I mean, yeah, they were, I guess they were pretty popular. But I was, like, I know who Timbaland is. I know who Missy is. So you can just only imagine that devante had to see that these people underneath him were a, like so much more talented than he was and his he was group just was. like threatened his like fragile male ego couldn't handle it and he had to be right. abusive yeah and so things became tense and one night things became physical and like members of devante's crew began throwing things and like missy almost got hit in the head with a chair oh. and so of course it triggered like all her past trauma and she decided she had to leave Mm-hmm. And when she left New York to go home to Virginia, she felt like she was shattered, like she had missed her chance. But it was anything but. Ooh. Because in 1995, when her and Timbaland left New York and that toxic sweet mob culture, that's when things really began to happen. They met hey. Aaliyah. Ooh. <laughs> and Missy had like a really cool interaction with Sean Combs, P. Diddy, Puff Daddy. He came into the studio one day. While she was in there, kind of, you know, just hanging around and was like, hey, don't you rap? And, like, remember, Sean Combs, P. Diddy was, like, huge at this time. He had, like, yeah. his boy record label. He had, like, the Making the Band music or the Making the Band TV show. And he was like, hey, don't you rap? And he let her hear the beat and gave her less than an hour. And she came up with such an iconic verse that that was the verse of the summer. <clears throat> what was it? 
It was for Gina Thompson's The Things You Do. And she literally sang, hee hee how, hee 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 how. And it's like this like really cute. I, it's like so fun to listen to. The lyrics are sounds that she like made into like words. And like we're used to Missy doing that. She like, I mean, even with the the put your thing back, flip it and reverse it and like her reverse, you know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah, hang it backwards, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But it's like Missy, she always has made up sounds and words that are used a lot today. Like she used Cardi B like sounds like ten to fifteen years before Cardi B did. I'm not yep. saying like Cardi Cardi B's an original. I love her. But like Missy's like the original original. Totally. And it's just, yeah. And so everyone yeah. wanted to yeah, know who about. she was. Yeah. And Missy could sing, rap, produce, write, dance. And she created a fashion and an aesthetic that was all her own. And really even did. though she seemed larger than life, she was only five foot. Uh, what? Five foot tall? Yes. Oh, I, and, oh, she's so cool. So cool. And they worked with Aaliyah, her and um, Timbaland did. And they literally produced almost all of her album, One in a Million, which was like groundbreaking. Um, Missy sings background vocals and raps in almost every song. She wrote the title song, One in a Million. Uh, her and Timbaland appear in her music video, Aaliyah's music videos too. That album went triple platinum and started Missy's career. And her love for Aaliyah went so deep. She talks about the first time meeting her. They were like family. And so even though P. Diddy was trying to get her to sign to his bad boy label, but like we all saw the way P. Diddy treated people in making the band or whatever that TV show, he kind of like, he kind of yanked you along a little bit, kind of made you beg for it. Yeah, that's not Missy. So Missy needed to do her own thing, which led her to being signed to Electra Records. Her drive to help produce other singers and artists helped her to make the decision to sign because they gave her, because of course it was a female CEO, gave her her own label. Oh, what? Yes. And this was like in 1995, 1996 on the condition that she gave him a hit album. She's still on that. But like. They gave her her, her own label in 1995? Yes. Because that's how innovative Missy was. That's how talented she was. That's, like, especially, like, as a woman, but, like, as a black woman, that is amazing. Who was, like, pushing all the stereotypes yes. on what black women were supposed to be defined as. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, she exactly. was doing everything. Like, yeah. And so she ended up giving them six hit records. Like, and yeah, she had yes. autonomy that really nobody had. Missy and Timbaland produced almost all all of her material that's so unusual in the industry like have you ever heard someone that's like yeah i seen that song i wrote it i produced it like what that sound cloud people like right that but that yeah missy was just so she really had free reign to do what she want in a lot of different ways then she began work on her album super duper fly and it released in 1997 it debuted number three on the Billboard charts, which is the highest debut for any female rapper in history. Wow. Right? I was like, I, I can't even. And it, of course, went platinum. Super Duper Fly was the result of going through hundreds of beats, never wanting to leave the studio. And her and Timbaland really went into themselves musically because, of course, he helped produce. And they had each found someone as out there as the other one was. They could be themselves, have fun, be young. She said that her and Timbaland did not listen to the radio or watch TV so that they could be so much more in touch with their creative sides and that they would not second guess themselves. And I was like, that's a little message to you about social media right there. (laughs) That's so cool. 
right? And I made Emily, like, watch um, some music videos before we started just to make sure that she could be, like, as hyped as I was. So her music video for Super Duper Fly, made by Hype Williams, uh, her first single, uh, maybe one of the best videos of all time. It was so good. Oh, it just, like, makes you, oh, my gosh, it's just all over. It just makes you so happy. With her in the garbage bag suit, red overalls, huge sunglasses, dancing in the rain, like a broken down robot, and like her amazing cap hair. I can watch it over and over. I she think was- I like have to like watch every Missy Elliott music video ever. Now like you like show me those three or four and I was like, this is, that's it. Like this is all I'm listening to. So- I've been listening to Missy Elliott's entire discography for like two weeks. And like my daughter, Edie, she's like one and a half. And she like hears socket to me and starts like, <laughs> like dancing, like, you know, just doing her little kid dance. But like it gets into your head and like literally there is no better cup of coffee in the morning than like listening to some of Missy Elliott's music. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm like, what can I go clean? Like, <laughs> I right? want to like. Totally. Yeah, and it's, I, like, it's just it's also energy. fun because her dance, her her songs make you want, like I said, dance with your whole body. Like you don't feel like there's like a wrong way to dance to her music. Like it's not all about like shaking your booty, which I'm not the best at. I mean, okay, I like to shake it, but I can't twerk it. <laughs> you do have a big booty, though. Thank you, children. My <laughs> kids give me my big booty. <laughs> Oh, but they were having so much fun in the music video, and they had so much fun with that fisheye camera. And I was like, I say, I I get almost emotional talking about this music video because, like, I love it so much. Nothing had been made like that before. Her music video changed the music video world. Her and Hype Williams. She said that she used her music videos as visuals so that people could get her in her music. And she was like, there's they could see how. It's supposed to bounce. (laughs) That makes sense. Right? Right? And for the music video, she said that they actually had to inflate the suit at a gas station. And by the time she was done inflating, she was too big to fit in the car with the suit. (laughs) Oh, my God. What'd she do? So they had to walk really far to location through, like, wherever they were. and She just walked from the suit? Yeah, and she said it, like, deflated by the time she got to where she was. Oh <laughs> and she said it helped people understand the type of artist I am. Witty, with a fun comical scent, but futuristic, too, she said in a Guardian article. And in the month after Super Dupa Fly was released, Missy got calls from Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, and Janet Jackson. She said that she hung up on Janet because she did not believe it was her. <laughs> You're lying. Oh, my God. And for fun, I just wanted to read one of her dirtiest lyrics from Sock It To Me, which is on Super Duper Fly, the second single release, because Missy raps so much about, like, sex and masturbation that it's amazing. (laughs) So it goes, I was looking for affection, so I decided to go. Swing that dick in my direction. I'll be out of control. Let's take it to perfection. Just you and me. Let's see if you can bring the bring, the bring, the nasty out of me. Now, no, 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 now, now, sock it. <laughs> I, I was like, can I go to my, my husband tonight and be like, swing that dick to me? <laughs> I also just really like it because, like, I feel like we're just now getting to the point where we can be like female masturbation 
is normal and it's acceptable and like a lot of people still aren't at that point but like this was what like 25 years ago like mm-hmm. that's i mean it's like it's still even one of those taboo topics that we're like i actually i posted this um on our instagram stories the other day there was like a really good thread on so you want to talk about um about like taboo subjects and it just made me think it's like we talk about a lot of like quote unquote taboo subjects on this podcast and it's because like they shouldn't be taboo no. and like no we, and like, like it's like we have to talk about them because like talking about them makes fem- you know female pleasure is not taboo no absolutely it should not and like there's nothing wrong with masturbation and no one no one hey everyone uh we just wanted to let you know that we made the stupid decision of trying to leave pop squadcast and we don't know why we ever did so that first half that you just heard was recorded on skype and we will never do that again we are so sorry uh so that's why if you hear just a little bit of a weird break we really didn't want to like cut out that part because we always want to be authentic so we are re-recording the second half so enjoy (laughs) Yes. So like I was saying, I cannot stress uh, enough how unique it was, what Missy Elliott was doing. And she constantly said that she was like looking beyond the millennium. Missy and Timbaland revolutionized R&B and hip hop. And this part exhausts me. (laughs) Like I'm saying, like as just like, okay, she's already doing so much. How could she be doing any more? But she was. Not only was she making her own music, but she was producing and writing for tons others. Like, I cannot go into it or this episode would be too long. Like, the Narcissistas podcast did four full-length episodes on her because they went into all of her, like, the other people she wrote for and all the other people she produced for. How can that makes me tired? I'm like, I can't even like manage my cats and like and my schoolwork and like <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my like, god. Yeah. Like my my dishes are constantly dirty. I can't I can't do two things, let alone like all the right? things. And like because she you know she had her own record label. So she was responsible for Melanie B and some of her solo career, Tweet, even Baby, Destiny's Child, Whitney Houston, Total. The list goes on and on and on. She helped to produce so what you're saying is she was really good at synergizing. Just, I mean, she was beyond Martha Stewart level synergizing. Beyond it. She, she was. She was the original synergist. She was. Well, let she know Martha was before her. She, whatever. She, she is whatever. Martha. Martha, Martha and we, we did love Martha money. Stewart, but that was kind of a boring kind of synergy. Right? Like, I was like, <laughs> okay, do you yeah. want to be Missy Elliott synergy or Martha Stewart synergy? I, I think we'd all be like, we want to be Missy Elliott. <laughs> We want to be right, yeah. So she helped to produce and encourage the careers of so many amazing black women. She was like the big sister we all wish that we could have, and I can't say this enough. Like, so I saw a video of Missy Elliott uh, with one of the young artists that was on her record label, and she was like, you know, the girl was going, but you know, she could tell she was nervous because she's performing in front of Missy Elliott, and Missy Elliott was like, okay. I need you to believe in yourself as much as I do. And I was just like, why can't we all have that safe umbrella? Like, it was just so, so, so sweet. And that's amazing. And I also made Emily watch Ladies Night, which was Little Kim featuring Missy Angie Martinez, Left Eye, God Rest. Which one was that? Uh, that one? was when they were all. That was like really. Oh, yeah, and the brat. Um, so that was when they were. It was all the. It was like five of them, and they were on the boat. They were all singing like, "This is Ladies' Night," and it missed. 
And that song slash music video is such a good example of how Missy approached other musical relationships with other females. She encouraged and loved them. And here's an awesome quote for her. She said, and it was more positive before with artists coming together to make records with such a positive message. I don't know if that could happen now. There's so much animosity and tension and anger with each other. And that's what she told Marie Claire in 2003. And I think Emily has seen this too. Um, so, you know, I absolutely adore Cardi B, right? But just like the argument, like, you know, just the way her and Nicki Minaj treat each other. You know what I mean? Just to see this mm-hmm. tension, like there yeah. can only be one. And it's like in the hip hop world, especially among female black artists, I just, I want to see it all. I want to see them all. Like, I can't tell you how happy Cardi B and... Megan Thee Stallion's collaboration made me. It was like the best song of 2020. We love WAP. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and also it's like, they're really, like, everybody is so different. It's not like, you know, one black female artist is going to be the exact same as another black female ar- artist. Like, it, it well, just also, because. Also, I think. Emily, yeah. Emily and the same with like. Say that shame on the music industry for making the public and also artists feel like there is only room for one black female rapper because mm-hmm. yeah yeah they absolutely yeah because i've actually I've, absolutely i've well actually said. heard an ex say uh why is she trying to do that we already have Nicki minaj and it's like no no yeah i just felt like we needed to say that yeah yes thank uh, you. and well then said. Said better than <laughs> then she released the real world which she wanted to name she's a bitch just like her single from that album everyone go listen to it it's amazing uh but her team thought it was too aggressive and this was 1999 just when eminem had released his slim shady ep which i really love but eminem is extremely controversial and aggressive and called so many people mm-hmm. a bitch in his album and during this period and i just wanted to say it Hi, Richard. And she says, hi. <laughs> Sorry, my husband just walked by. And so she, uh, just some double standards for you. And Missy was out to take back the word bitch. She was saying that a bitch is a strong woman. And in an interview, she said, like, you know, they call you a bitch. Just flip it around and be like, yeah, I am a bitch. I am that bitch. <laughs> Which I was like, I wish yeah. I had the confidence. <laughs> I, I think, I remember we talked about this when we recorded the episode the first time, that, like, you know, I, I read somewhere um, when I was doing one of the word of the days that, like, it was like, if you want to take the word back, but your oppressor still uses it, then it's not your word. But it's also, like, you know, words are only, they only have so much power. And I'm not saying that, like, of course, like, a word has power in it, just but because, you know, what ha- it has been made. So it's only, it only has the power that, that you assign to it. Yeah, exactly. And so if, you know, we as women can take back the words, like what we're trying to do with Harlot, then those words in someone else's mouth, you know, someone's like, you're a harlot. We could be like, yeah, And of we course, are. we're not talking, we're not talking about words that have racial stigmas because of course, Emily and I can't possibly understand, yeah. but we're talking about words that we can understand, you know, like bitch, harlot, slut, whore. That's what we're addressing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. You were just saying everything I'm saying oh, way better. I, I know you. I know what you're, I was just like, I, I need to be the Emily yeah. translator right now. That's all. <laughs> You do. My brain, my brain is all wonky. And right now. Uh, of course, the real world did amazing. And Missy said that it was stressful because Super Duper Fly only took her one week to record, but the real world took her two months. And I was just like, I can't complete anything. <laughs> and I, the whole album Super took her Duba one Fly week. did, and then the real world 
Which is like her albums are not just like nine songs. They're like they're like anywhere yeah. I think they're like anywhere from like, you know, ten to fourteen and they've got like tons of collaborations. So it's not just like, hey, let's get this person, that person, and that person into the studio so I can collaborate with them and let's do this. And it's like I I cannot imagine creating anything like that within two months, let alone one week. <laughs> That's that's really interesting. And for Emily's favorite part, here's a dirty lyric from Hot Boys with a Z. I want a lot boy with a hot boy. Got a fun toy and you tell a Glock boy. <laughs> the only gun I want. <laughs> and then Miss oh my God. So Addictive released in 2001, which has one of my favorite songs, One Minute Man, and Get Your Freak On and Dirty Lyric from... I get I like get your freak on the best. I listened to that while I was doing my yeah, dishes the other day. Uh, this is a dirty mm-hmm. lyric from One Minute Man. Boy, it's been a long time, a crazy long time, and I don't want no one minute or no minute man, and that's real. So give it to me some more. And I just think we all need to say like Missy talks so much about like anything that we were singing about with her. It's like usually to do with some sort of sex or some sort of like mm-hmm. pre-sex. After sex, drinks, it's all sex. <laughs> it's all sex. <laughs> and her music videos in the 2000s were done by Dave Myers, and they still are. And their their collaboration, like, he's this, like, small little white guy. And then Missy's just this larger than life. But they both said that the reason why they work is because one of them is just as weird as the other. So they understand each other. Mm-hmm. And they their music videos mm-hmm. are so funny and literal. Like, I snort when I watch them. They always do little cutaways to actually show what she's rapping about and singing about. I made Emily watch One Minute Man. Emily really loved good. it. Like, just like Missy Elliott, she's, like, singing to her, like, guy she's going to, you know, have fun with later. And her head's, like, separated from her body. And then she's, like, in a karate outfit. Like, kind of, like, you could tell she's not really – she's, like, moving on wires. And then – Luda is like rocking ba- like ladies as babies in cribs and then putting that was weird. I found that yeah, part but weird. you know, that's Luda. He is weird. weird. But I like but but like yeah. he's also very empowering towards women. The bat that was hilarious. The bat so he it looked like he was doing something else to a woman, but he's actually just trying to find the plug. <laughs> Aren't all guys just trying to find oh, the plug? Yeah. So in 2001, she won her first Grammy for bringing together yet another amazing group of women. She rewrote and produced Lady Marmalade, which went international. That was, of course, for Moulin Rouge. Uh, Missy also appeared on MTV's Cribs, which I say go watch because it's so cute. It's all about her living with her mama, Miss Patty. It's so cute. Oh, I love that. Right? I love that. And Get Your Freak On also won a Grammy for Best Solo Rap Performance. And also, go ahead. Also. Moulin Rouge was my favorite movie, and then um, I lost it because my college boyfriend got chili. That's right. On my that's right. Movie. And then also, yeah, I just thought I mentioned. I thought I also, mention I think that. I should mention that one time Emily was so tipsy that she karaokeed the Elephant Love Medley by herself. <laughs> hey, <laughs> amazing! No, it's so cute. You're. I know. It was really so ambitious. Good. I, wanted, I was supposed to be that. You didn't did cheer. Too. You didn't cheer as loud. Yeah, I was yeah, in I, the front. I wanted. I was to- in the front, right underneath you, cheering yeah. for you. I know. It was the only time I've ever sang a song that wasn't Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. I think I've seen, I made you sing something else before, too. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember that. But but also, I just want to remind you that during all this, she's running her own label. She's writing and producing for so many people. Like, I can't get over how busy she was. But on a, can you hear that? Can you hear Richard hammering? 
Why is he He's hammering? hammering outside. I just wanted to see if you could hear it. No, okay. I don't think so. Uh, so. I think Matt's, I think Matt is like slamming doors. Okay. So then um, just oh. to take a, is everything okay? Yeah. No, he was, okay. uh, yeah. So, Keep going. He, I'm just going to, he just asking how still okay. is. So then um, on a sadder note, in 2001, Aaliyah died tragically in that plane crash. Because I think, like I was saying before, I think it's because they uh, put too many people on quite a small plane. Oh. That was at least one of the factors. And as you know, Missy and Aaliyah like really shared stronger than friends bond. It was like family. They were like family. It was like, uh, right? And it, it hit Missy so hard. She felt like her and Aaliyah were family. Like, you know, Aaliyah's CD that she had worked so hard on pretty much launched Missy's career. Missy like loved her and honored her so beautifully. She wrote the beautiful ballad, Can You Hear Me? And in Work It, she had her picture um, on the back of her jean jacket in that like iconic playground scene. And on the hood of that car that she was dancing alongside, it's her. And then there's Lisa Left Eye Lopez, like both together, like in memoriam on the car. And I just think it's so beautiful, like making sure someone is so present throughout the rest of your life, even though, you know, they've, you know, because Work It came out in like, 2004 2005 and this is like you know Aaliyah isn't gone in 2001 it's like she's not gone you know what I mean I just think that's so beautiful Mm -hmm. and then right after her death she released Takeaway with Genuine and in the music video there's an inscription right before that said I dedicate this to Aaliyah who brought life to my music I was just like oh just so beautiful and sweet it is. And then Aww. in 2002, she released Under Construction, which is the first album of hers that I remember because I've been 11 years old. And it went back to like old school hip hop. And it is the best selling female rap album in the United States. Oh, really? Work it and Gossip folks blew up. And she really became embraced by the dance community. For Under Construction, when they were really close to finishing the album, uh, Timbaland felt like they were done. And Missy said that something was missing. and they got into an argument and she, Tim started pressing on some keys because he was mad and she heard him play some of those iconic notes and or uh-huh. the last song that was added. And so they were just like, he was just like messing around mad. on keys. He was, he was like, and it, like, bam, bam, bam. like, you know, when you're like, and she was like, Wait, you know how like you do again? dishes when you're pissed? Yeah. Uh, you do dishes when you're pissed. No, I, no, no. I'm I, like, if you, no, but I I'm like, throw- if you have to do dishes when you're mad, you just like slam them around, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then her record label, which was Electra, that's that was what her label was under, that, that parent company, which actually was becoming Atlantic, uh, really pressured her to follow up on her past successes. And This Is Not a Test came out in 2003. And although it was certified platinum and it did really well, it did not hit pop charts. And she said it came out too soon. She said she felt really pressured, which is really sad. And then in 2004, she yeah. appeared in um, Sierra's One Two Step. She had a reality show that was not renewed, but then the cook and then the cookbook came out in 2005 with Lose Control, and she won so many freaking awards. And of course, she released Chingling for Step Up Two, Back to the Streets. Like yeah, and honestly, she released so much more. I'm just bringing up highlights that were like really big. I remember, and she did so much. So much. And she was releasing songs, but decided to take a hiatus from releasing her own albums. And she was so busy producing and writing for people like Keisha Cole, Jasmine Sullivan, Monica, Jennifer Hudson, Fantasia, to name a few. And she appeared on so many songs as a feature, like even with G-Dragon from Korea. Oh, I, I don't know him. who that is. He's such a fashion icon. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't uh, know anything. She was now, she was told that she had to lose weight because of her super high blood pressure. 
They said she would not be around if she did not get healthy because she was at a stroke level. And so she started working out regularly and she lost um, like 60 to 70 pounds. Uh, And Emily and I were both Mm -hmm. talking about this. We're not saying that this is the right way. We don't know what else those doctors said. We don't know if they were like, you know, nowadays I feel like they'd be like, hey, eat more heart healthy foods and do more cardio, not like lose that weight. Because we're not saying that being a higher weight is like directly related to high blood pressure. Like we just, we don't, we're not doctors. We're just saying what she was told. Right. And Mm -hmm. the world obsessed about her weight loss. I don't know if you remember seeing this in the tabloids because I do. When I was little, like in oh, what year like two thousand five, two thousand six. I don't know. I don't think. I and that. like everyone said that she like lost weight for her image, but it was actually for her health. And I'm just, it just, it frustrates me when women go through weight gains and losses. Like how people just are so interested in why, why does she gain weight? Why does she do this? Why does she do that? And I'm like, just leave I'm them sure alone. People look at my Instagram yeah. and see my cheeks right now, and they're like, oh boy, Karen, Mia doesn't look like she did X amount of years ago. Yeah, it's because I had three freaking kids. <laughs> yeah, and it's because I had three bagels a day for the last pandemic. Right? <laughs> so pandemic cheeks. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm quarantined. <laughs> and then she officially <laughs> Sammy. Then she officially took a break from her music in 2005 for her peace of mind. She had put out six albums in eight years. That's like six babies. Because once they are out of you, you're not close to being done. You have to work on like all the promotion, all the tours, all the this, all of that. Like it's <laughs> insane. And she was yeah. overworked. Her health again deteriorated. She experienced fluctuating weight fatigue, mood swings, which brought on bouts of depression. She said that in VH1's Behind the Music that one day she could not press down on the gas pedal. Like, how terrifying that could feel like you can't press your foot down. Her mother oh said gosh. that her hands would not stop shaking. And in 2008, she was diagnosed with Graves' disease, which is an autoimmune disorder, which causes your thyroid to be overactive. Her nervous system started to shut down. Her skin became dry. Her hair fell out. Her eyes began to bulge. And apparently a car crash, which brought her into the hospital, is how she got diagnosed. She was saying, like, one day I just looked at the mirror and my eyes didn't look like my eyes. Like, that has to be so scary. Oh, that's so scary. Yeah. And she still, she began therapy and she still deals with it today, but she says it's very well managed. And, of course, when you take a break from anything, it becomes harder and harder to return. Like, people going back to school, like, people, like, you know, right now I'm trying to, like, venture back into the workforce after two and a half years of being a stay-at-home mom. It's scary. Um, Mm -hmm. It becomes harder and harder to return. Your your self-doubt and need for perfection kicks in. Especially because we don't have a workforce. Yeah, right. Missy was no different, and she was really critical of her material. She has enough unreleased Mm -hmm. material for several albums, which actually makes me think of Prince. Did you hear that they said that he has like enough unreleased album, like material for like over ten albums, something crazy like that? Yes, really for, for real? real. I didn't for know real. that. Like, isn't that crazy? For real, real. Okay, I didn't know that. That's, it's just something that's to cool. think about. So even when you like, oh, they they must not be working. They haven't come out with a new album in like X amount of years. It's just something to think about. Like, you know, they're still working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she said it was easier to write for other people at this time because she did not have to be so severely critical. You know, it's easier to do stuff for other people. She was always pushing herself Mm -hmm. to be better. Like I said, just like her song. I'm better, I'm better, I'm better. 
Also, now I feel like it's time to address all the rumors about her sexuality. There have been speculation speculations that she is a lesbian because of the fact that she never married and has these incredibly close and meaningful relationships with other female musicians. But she doesn't speak publicly about this, so it's none of our business. And also, drawing conclusions about someone's sexuality. Um, I was laughing about this with Emily. Hey, Em, you're not married. Hey, Em, you and no. I talk to each other an obscene amount of times, like a day. More than we exactly. talk to our partners. So, I'm sorry, Em, you must be a lesbian. Concluding, by, by, yeah. these, by these standards that they have said, you must be one. Yeah. Also, I think it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, no. like Someone else's like sexuality is none of your business unless you are the person... I also applaud Missy Elliott because it's like she has been able to keep her private life actually quite private. And I'm like, that 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 must be so um so nice when you're of that caliber of celebrity. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's and really hard. the first time I truly saw her perform then was in 2015 when she made everybody pee their pants by performing with Katy Perry at the Super Bowl. And that performance was it said that it was the most viewed Super Bowl performance ever. And I honestly credit a lot of it to her. And also, they yeah. said that it raised her sales of her album that month by 2,500%. Right? What? Oh, my God. I remember how, like, surprised everyone was. And Emily and I were actually watching that Super Bowl together because it was Seahawks versus Patriots, I believe. And... Uh, yeah. my daughter Zelda was like eight, nine months old, maybe 10 months. She was right around then. She wasn't walking and she was just kind of like being bored. She's like, mom, why are you making me watch a Super Bowl game? Yeah. She was like two months yeah. from her birthday, mm-hmm. February. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, all of a sudden Missy Elliott came on and I think it was, uh, was, I think it was get your freak on and Zelda just started mm-hmm. going crazy on my lap, like just going nuts. And she didn't take her eyes off. Like, everyone, like, I was having a hard time holding her in place. She was freaking out so much. She was, she was going she crazy. She was dancing hardcore. Like, I couldn't even believe it. So we'll, yeah. we'll try to find that video and post it for everyone to see. Because I think everyone will have just as much enjoyment watching it. And also, Zelda has loved Missy Elliott from, from day one. <laughs> Day one. Yeah, that was really cute. That was like that the was cutest so cute. Thing. And she, which I think is just so amazing that she came out with this. Missy, relatable as always, said in the Guardian article written by Dorian Linsky, I ended up in the hospital for having an anxiety attack. She said the day before this performance. Mm-hmm. I think any artist who has had a break as that long as that one would be anxious. It's like, yes, yes. Yeah. She... Yeah, absolutely. Or just any, like, and I'm sure a lot of people who are like in the public eye, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, that's anxiety right? enough. And she was amazing. And it was a breathtaking performance. And after her performance, she said that her friends called her and was like, hey, what's next? What are you doing next? And she said, I'm mopping my floors. Because <laughs> she just wants, you know, she just. She said that she likes to reflect on her performances and her work now because she was moving too fast before to ever do that. She was years ahead with her music and still is. And in particular, she references uh, her music video, She's a Bitch, quite a lot. And she says, like, she wishes she could remember where her head is was at, like, when she was creating all of her early stuff. Like, she said that's how fast she was using that she couldn't even remember the headspace that she was in when she created such amazing things. She was just like, it's like the Queen's Gambit. Don't just, spoil it, I'm still watching. You, are you watching? Just started. 
It's really good. I'm rewatching it. We started watching it for the second time. Cute. Cute. But she did release one single that year, uh, WTF, Where They From, with Pharrell. But instead of releasing her album, she went back to her behind-the-scenes work as a writer and producer. What I love about Missy is that, like, especially now, she's not rushing anything. And she follows her gut. She puts her mental health first. She's so incredibly true to herself. It's really rare to see that in a person of that celebrity. Like, I'm sure it's really hard to set boundaries. And it's just so awesome to see her being like, boom, boom, boom. These are my boundaries, you know. Yeah. And when when Cardi B tweeted in early 2019, anxiety is kicking my ass right now. Missy Elliott replied, many people deal with this. I am one. It is real. And you and I both mm-hmm. said when we were first recorded this that we thought that was like the perfect way. It's like validate you, yeah, validate everyone, validate myself, and it's like boom. Yes, it is the perfect way. It's like sometimes you just need people to be like, yeah, I hear you. Like you are going through it, and I understand. Like this is mm-hmm. a real thing. And she said that nobody talked about anxiety and depression in the nineties. I was like, oh, what really? Shocker. <laughs> yeah, but. And she oh said, now with social media, scrutiny is ever-present, and it can be really hard to deal with. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Emily and I both mm-hmm. suffer from, like, social media anxiety, and we both have had to take pretty long breaks. Yeah, so if you ever see us not posting on Instagram, that's why, because... And yeah. so in 2016, she collaborated with Michelle Obama, Kelly Clarkson, Janelle Monet, and a couple of others for the charity single called This Is For My Girls. And the car karaoke with James Corden is like so cute it's it's like she pops up in the back like halfway through the episode and Michelle Obama's in the front and James Corden's like on the driving of course and then they put on work it at the end and to see Michelle Obama like rapping and Missy Elliott being her hype woman is like the cutest thing go watch it I need to watch that sounds amazing watch it as a pick-me-up it cheers you up so much like Okay, I was just I'm like, going to go watch it. I was just kind of hoping that the next time I turned on Work It in my car that Missy Elliott would just be in the back seat hyping me up. <laughs> in the back, she's like, yeah. <laughs> One can only right. dream. And she did not come out with a new body of work until her Iconology EP in 2019. But, oh my goodness, was 2019 amazing for her. She received the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award with a jaw-dropping performance. She was the first female rapper to be inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And she she received an honorary doctorate from the Berklee College of Music. And I was just kind of like, why did it take so long? And Emily and I, I just wanted to talk quickly about why I still love you. Because it was the last music video I made Emily watch. Because Missy Elliott said that she never thought she would ever be able to make a song like that. And my husband, who has been like the biggest Missy Elliott fan from day one, cried when he saw her perform that music video yeah it was, it was so beautiful so and we're it not used so to seeing Missy Elliott like that and like she's oh, right really good. and like she said yeah. in the amazing Guardian article I hate to say that I'm back because in reality I never went anywhere she insists I was still doing stuff behind the scenes I don't always want to be up front I'm actually very shy and on Swayze Universe it said that Missy was the embodiment of female empowerment and independence before they were mainstream body positive and normative before it was a thing. Her portrayal of her body image and sexuality and race were so different from what other women in the industry were portraying. 
while having so much fun, while rapping about sex and dancing with dozens of men as her backup dancers in her track suits, made the population rethink about the stereotypes that they had been enforcing. And she was political without even knowing it. In the Guardian article, she said she was just a byproduct. She actually had no political agenda at the time. And then she said that she still talks with little Kim and Mary J. Blige all the time. Their friendships are sincere, not just for the cameras. Missy Elliott came to prominence when the women of the R&B rap hip-hop communities were pitted against each other. She embraced and made collaborations that we have not seen anything like since. And about marriage... Missy said that she has thought about it, but she's busy living life, and her life is her music and her record label. She said that she's terrified of having birth, but again, you don't need to have a baby to make your life complete. She also said, like, hey, maybe adoptions but in the cards, but she's busy with her music. And yeah. she says now that she wants to make more movies, direct more young artists, direct music videos, and boy, does she have the experience because this year... Billboard ranked her as the fifth greatest music video artist of all time behind like Madonna, Michael Jackson. I forget who else, but like she's number five of all time. She should be number one. (laughs) I'm biased, but yes. Kanye West. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. I think he's number four. No, I was I was being like Kanye when he right. interrupted. But uh, Missy Elliott has the greatest music video of all time. Okay, but you know what? For as crappy, like this might make people so many mad, so many people mad. But, like, how does single ladies not win? I don't. Should have won. It okay. Won. Um, and she had to. Sus- I believe she had to suspend her tour for the Iconology EP. Uh, her EP because of COVID, because we didn't really see her doing any tours or anything. But like, I am seriously hoping mm-hmm. for a Las Vegas residency. Like, I think that should be in the cards. I hope that's in the cards. I want to go see her in Vegas for my first time. In- Let's go. We're gonna and go. I will. Right. Go. Oh God. I, I will hope. I'm hope. Uh, I will end with a quote from her Marie Claire interview. You will always get respect. But you won't be hot forever. And I was like, I guess you can be both forever if you're Missy Elliott. <laughs> oh, you're right. You can. And so quickly for my sources, uh, the Missy Elliott interview for The Guardian by Dorian Linsky, Missy Elliott, The Legend Returns from uh, Marie Claire by Ashley C. Ford, her two episodes on Cribs, VH1's Behind the Music, Scary Me for Marie Claire by Lindsay Baker. Also, <laughs> The Narcissistas, which is a new podcast I just discovered they cover all sorts of pop stars, icons, early 2000s, 90s icons, all of these people. Like, I'm talking from Beyonce to Miley Cyrus, Little Kim, like everybody. And they do it in depth and they are so freaking funny. I love them. Highly recommend. I can't wait right? to listen. And really yeah. quick, and do you want to do Happy Harlots? You can do it. Yeah. Come on, quick. Uh, I can could, I could do it. Um, um, my happy harlot is I can't think. Okay, of I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a joint happy harlot surgery. really quick. So Emily and I. Okay, my cat's in surgery yeah. right now, so I can't. Emily's really stressed. Yeah, she's she's recording this in spite of the fact that one of her babies is in surgery. So just letting you guys know that the links we really do to go get an episode out on time. So um, mm-hmm. Emily and I both just got out of of a Zoom call with the masters of the minds behind the oldest, the podcast, the oldest profession, the old pro pod. And it was like just so Mm -hmm. beautiful to talk to these women who have been in this like podcast industry in this, like they are doing so much advocacy work for sex workers. They're doing such amazing, wonderful things. And they found time in their schedule to talk to these baby podcasters and not be condescending. And just like 
being amazing to us. I just can't, I can't get over it. Yeah, it was so much fun. We, yeah. So yeah, go check out the old we, pro pod. Yeah, yeah the, old, the old pro yeah. pod. We love, yeah, the, old pro, the oldest yeah. profession podcast. They're amazing and their episodes are not yeah. like crazy long. They're, I highly recommend it. And yes, of course, we're not doing this podcast justice. We just got off a call with them. We're still starstruck, okay? <laughs> we are really stru- starstruck. Okay, so thank you for listening. Go watch some Missy Elliott music videos. Bye. And go listen to the old yeah, pro pod. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye. Hi, Harlots. We just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to Harlots of History. If you like what you heard today, please go and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we can keep bringing you more salacious, scandalous harlots. Our music is Nia Proxis, Frank Riddick by Lloyd Rogers from freemusicarchive.com. And our cover art and editing is by us. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> we love suggestions, tips, tricks, or just salacious details you think are interesting. So please reach out to us on Instagram at Harlots of History Podcast or on Twitter at History Harlots or email us at Harlots of History Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, be a harlot, not a hater. Bye. Bye.